Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Brian Sparks. Turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel 14. 1 Samuel 14. And we're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 15. I'm reading out of the message today. I just like the way it, it said it. It wasn't too crazy and... And so I like the way it was worded a little bit here. Are you ready? It says this, later that day. Now let me just give you a little bit of, of a little bit of history here because you have to know that there was an uh, there was a battle going on. And the king uh, King Saul is uh, is not he's he's a little bit scared, he's afraid. The Philistines, he's fighting the enemy and the Philistines uh, he, he's afraid of the Philistines. And so you see this, uh, just kind of a little bit of history, that they're just hiding out. Uh, they're they're, they're, they're kind of, they're just, they're just hey, I, I'm just going to stay put. I'm going to keep it safe. And so that's where we pick up right here. It says this. Later that day, Jonathan, Saul's son, said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over to the Philistine garrison patrol on the other side of the past. But he didn't tell his father. Meanwhile, Saul was taking it easy under a pomegranate tree at the threshing floor on the edge of the town of Gibeah. There were about 600 men with him. Ahijah, wearing the priestly ephod, was also there. Ahijah was the son of Ahitub, brother of Ichabod, son of Phinehas, brother of Ferb. Just want to make sure you are with me. You with me? Hey, you want to try this? These words are hard. Some of y'all are like, who's Ferb? Yeah. Who was the son of Eli, the priest of God at Shiloh? No one there knew that Jonathan had gone off. The pass that Jonathan was planning to cross over, the Philistine garrison, was flanked on either side by uh, by sharp rock outcroppings cliffs named Bozaz and Sina. The cliff to the north faced Michmash. The cliff to the south faced Gibeah. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on now, let's go across to these uncircumcised pagans. Maybe God will work for us. Come on, I feel something on this. Maybe, maybe God will work for us. There's no rule that says God can only deliver by using a big army. No one can stop God from saving when he has set his mind to it. His armor bearer said, go ahead, do what you think best. I'm with you all the way. I love this. Come on, you need a ride or die in your life. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, okay, I'm with you. know that crazy friend that's with you? You got to have them. You got to have them. Do whatever you think's best. I'm with you all the way. Jonathan said, here's what we'll do. We'll cross over the pass and let the men see we're there. If they say, halt, don't move until we check you out. We'll stay put and not go up. But if they say, come on up, we'll go right up and we'll know God has given them to us. That will be our sign. So they did it. The two of them, they stepped into the open where they could be seen by the Philistine garrison. The Philistines shouted out, look at that. The Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then they yelled down to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come on up here. We've got a thing or two to show you. And Jonathan shouted to his armor bearer, 
up, follow me. God has turned them over to Israel. Jonathan scrambled up on all fours, his armor bearer on his heels. When the Philistines came running up to them, he knocked them flat, his armor bearer right behind, finishing them off, bashing their heads in with stones. In the first bloody encounter, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed about 20 men that set off a terrific upheaval in both camp and field. The soldier in the garrison and the raiding squad badly shaken up, the ground itself shuddering, panic like you've never seen before. Mm. That right there is good enough to preach all by itself. But I want to focus on this sentence in verse 6. It says, maybe God will work for us. If you're taking notes today, which I hope you are, I would love for you to title this message, When Maybe Matters. When Maybe Matters. Lord, I thank you right now for the word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your word. They didn't come to hear a word from man. They've come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, right now, I pray that you'd use me to speak to the hearts of your people. Let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Have you ever had a maybe that mattered? Anybody in your life ever had a maybe that mattered? It seemed like whenever I was growing up, and I'm not sure if any of y'all were the same, but it seemed like my parents' favorite word was maybe. Anybody else relate to that? Because it seemed like it didn't matter what the question was, didn't matter what I was asking, my parents would always say, maybe. I mean, I was like, come on, here, hey, uh, mom and dad, can I have $10 to go to the movies? Maybe. Can I go over and spend the night at, at, at John's house? Maybe. Can I, uh, can I borrow the car to go take a girl out on a date? No. That was guaranteed no. Uh, but, but maybe seemed to be their favorite answer to everything, and I, don't, I didn't understand it. I was like, why are you leaving me hanging? Why can't you just say yes or no. I mean, I don't understand why is it so difficult. It's not like I'm asking you you this major issue how to how to cure uh, the 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 national debt. I'm not asking anything major. I'm asking if I can borrow ten bucks to go to the movies, and you're giving me a maybe. And I never understood it, but now that I'm a parent, my favorite answer to everything is maybe. I find myself doing it. Here's the thing is that I I really thought my parents were being mean and trying to frustrate me when they answered with maybe. But now I understand that they weren't really trying to frustrate me. They were trying to prepare me. Because the truth is, in life, it's full of maybes. It's full of uncertainty. There's no guarantee, come on, in life. There's just no way that you can, it's just the way it works. In fact, the older you get, the bigger and more uh, uh, scary the maybes become. Because you begin to think about everything that you do and everything that you want to do. And, and, I, and I, I really began to think about this. In all my life, everything that I've done that amounted to anything started with a maybe. And Jonathan's sitting here going, maybe God will work for us. Maybe maybe he'll show up. Maybe he'll do something. And here he is. And this is a major maybe in his life. But here, uh, now that I'm a a parent and I say maybe, it amazes me that my kids, how they respond to maybe. 
Because my kids don't respond to maybe like I, I responded to maybe. My kid, Braley especially, responds to maybe like it's a done deal. Let me work out the details. She gets so excited. She's fired up. She's like, yes, it's a done deal. Dad said maybe. Let's do this. And here's the thing is I end up doing it because of the way that she responds to the maybe. The way that she she gets excited about something and, and she gets fired up about something and she's like, man, dad said maybe, so that means it's a done deal. And I began to think about it. What if we started responding to maybe a little differently? Most of you are sitting there going, well, maybe. That means it's not going to happen. Maybe God will, maybe he won't, he probably won't, he never, you know, and you begin to talk about maybe like it's not going to happen, and you look at maybe the wrong way, but what if we started looking at maybe and saying, you know what, maybe God will show up and do something. I get tired of people saying, well, what if God doesn't, well, what if he does? Maybe you need to start changing the way you see maybe. What if we change the way we saw Maybe's life is filled with maybe, but your reaction to maybe will change the outcome. Most of you, if you were anything like Jonathan, and you knew that there was a great enemy, and there's all of this stuff that's going on, and you think, maybe God will. He has this thought, maybe God will. This is a life or death maybe. This isn't a, oh, well, you know, it could be a bad decision. No, this is a major Thing. Maybe God will show up and do it. And he has this thought, maybe God will. And he steps out on a maybe. He steps out on a maybe. You know, I think a lot of people look at people that are more successful than them. The people that started the business. The people that are doing your dream job. The people that are going after everything and you look at them and you kind of, you cross your arms and say, oh, well, they're just lucky. Oh, well, you, you know, they just have it better than me. They, they just have, they, they, they just got a luckier break. They were just born into wealth. They were just whatever it is. And can I tell you that it has nothing to do with they were lucky. It has nothing to do with, oh, well, they're just more blessed than I am. No, it has nothing to do with it because the truth is, is that at some point and at some time, they had to look maybe in the eye just like you did, but their response to maybe changed the outcome. The reason why they're doing what you want to do right now is because they responded to maybe differently than you have. You looked at maybe and you shrunk back. They looked at maybe and said, maybe there's a chance, and they jumped at the chance. I want you to understand that God wants you to Look at a maybe and say, you know what? Maybe God will show up and work for me. If he blessed them, maybe he'll bless me. What if I stepped out on a maybe? Maybe. See, the thing is, is, is you've you got to understand that the currency of heaven is always faith. God doesn't look at your need and say, oh, so needy. I guess I'll bless them. No, God looks at your faith. Here Jonathan is faced with a maybe. Faced with a maybe. Everyone else is hiding out. 
Everyone else is hiding in a hole. And Jonathan is faced with a maybe God will. See, Jonathan was in a safe place, but he wasn't satisfied. Jonathan, like everybody else, like his dad, like the 600 men that are with him, they're hanging out, they're hiding out, and they're comfortable And everything seems to be good, but there's something, there's a conflict in Jonathan. Because even though he's comfortable, he knows that he's not in the right place. And something begins to stir in him. Have you ever been in a place, maybe it's a job, maybe it's something that you're doing, and you're sitting there going, man, I'm comfortable. Everything seems like it should be right, but God is stirring me to do something greater. God is stirring me to to step out in faith. God is stirring me to do something more. And I'm not happy staying in a safe place. I'm not satisfied staying in a safe place because I know this, that God is pushing me out onto the edge. I'm telling you right now, if you, uh, this walk with God is always full of scary maybes. I'm not kidding, people. It's scary. I feel like, man, I, 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 this is the way I feel. I feel like, man, I'm treading water, and I get going pretty good, got my head up, I'm swimming pretty good, and it feels like God reaches down and throws me out a little deeper. And then I'm, try, I'm trying, I've got my head above water, and I'm, I'm scrambling and finally get it going, and I'm doing good. And then he's like, okay, go a little deeper. Yeah. Why? Because God is always wanting to push you a little farther. He's not satisfied with a people that goes, yeah, I'm just going to stay here. I'm complacent. I'm going to stay in a safe place. This is good enough. God is saying, no, I want my kids to want more. I want my kids to go farther. I want my kids to push a little harder. I want my kids to do more. See, you got to understand that if you want to accomplish your dreams, you're going to have to step on them maybe. If you're waiting on a guarantee, you're going to be waiting your whole life. There's three things that you must do if you want to see everything in your heart come to pass. I want to take it out of Jonathan, out of this this passage of Scripture. Number one. You must step out of safety. You must step out of safety. You know, when we, uh, for those of you that don't know, we were associate pastors at my dad's church, and God began to stir in our heart. We were supposed to plant a church. We had found the location. We figured out that Royce City was the place for us. It was, just the, it was just everything in us. It, every time we drive through it, we just fell in love with the city, and so we decided this is the place. When I began to talk to people about this is what I'm going to do, I would talk to pastors, men of great faith. And I'd say, yeah, God has called us to plant a church. And they would, oh, man, that's exciting. That's going to be great. You know what you should do? Just leave your house there, keep your house there, and then go over on, like, Sunday nights. And try it out. Like, see if it does, if it, if it falls through, you still got your job with your dad, everything's okay, everything's good. But if it works out, then you can kind of sell everything and move that way. And, 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 all, and I would say, why would I do that? Why wouldn't I do that? Well, maybe it won't work. 
And if it doesn't work, what are you going to do? See, here's the thing, is I'm not that kind of guy. I'm an all-in kind of guy. So when God put in my heart, you're going to go plant a church in Royce City, Texas, I didn't go, well, God, I might try it out. I'll test the waters. I'll dip my toe in. I'll see how it works out. No, I put a sign in my yard, and I said, for sale, and I sold my house, and I moved. I didn't know a person here. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a building. I didn't have everything worked out. But I knew this, that God had moved me out of a safe place because he wanted me to take new ground. He wanted me to plant a new church. He wanted me to do something great. And I want you to understand that you are no different than me. If God puts something in your heart, you're going to have to step out of safety. If God puts a business in your heart, you're going to have to step out of safety. If God says, this is what I want you to do, you're going to have to step out of safety. See, I don't want to be known as a man who has pretty okay faith. I want to be a man that has great faith. I want to be a man that looks at a maybe and realizes that he serves a bigger God. Maybe God will. Maybe God will show up. There will be always be people in your life, church, that are satisfied in a safe place. That doesn't mean that you have to be. There are people in your life that are satisfied punching a clock, going home, drinking beer, going to bed, wake up, punch a clock, go home. There's nothing wrong with that. But guess what? Something in you is saying that's the safe place. Yeah, it's easy. Can I tell you that leaving your job to come and plant a church where you know no one, never in my wildest dreams did I ever look down the road and think that last week we would have 619 people in church and we're not even two years old. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever imagine that 1,500 people would have given their life to Jesus at this point. Never in my wildest dreams, but I was willing, come on, to step out on a maybe. Maybe God will show up, and maybe God will move. Number two, there will always be an obstacle to overcome. There will always be an obstacle to overcome. The place Jonathan crossed had two cliffs. One named Bozaz and one named Sina. And I just want to stay here just for a second because here's what's important for you to know. Is that if you want to overcome your obstacles... You must first be able to name your obstacles. See, Jonathan looks up and he goes, okay, well, they're up there and I have to overcome Bozaz and Sina. I have to get up and cross over them. I'm going to have to overcome these obstacles if I want to get to my destiny. And I want to know this. What is the name of your obstacle? 
Some of you are sitting here and you're going, you know what? The name of my obstacle is fear. Some of you are thinking, man, you know what? The name of my obstacle is insecurity. I just don't see myself the right way. I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can accomplish it. I don't think I can do what, I'm, what God is calling me to do. And I have this insecurity on the inside of me. Some of you, 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 you got to have great faith. You got you to step out on faith because you don't think your God is big enough. Some of you, the obstacle that you have to overcome are relationships in your life. Now, let me pause here. I'm not telling you to get a divorce, okay? Don't you go home and say, huh, that's it. Pastor told me to divorce. You're sorry, but. No, I did not. You need marriage counseling, okay? You don't need it. But I'm talking about your friends. Oh, Sarah and Sally, you know who they are. And every time you get a leg up, they pull you back down. And every time you try to go after your dreams, they're whispering in your ear, you're never going to make it. Why are you trying? See, you got to understand that relationships will help get you to your destiny. And here Jonathan is. He looks at a man behind him and he says, listen, I've got this dream in my heart. And he says, you go after your dream. I'm right behind you. See, you need people in your life that will push you hard in your destiny. That's why I love community groups. Because I got people in, whispering in my ear, you know what, I'm, I'm struggling this. I'm a little afraid to step out. I'm not sure it's going to happen. But then somebody comes right along behind me and says, you know what, you got this. We're praying for you. We're behind you. You can do this. Maybe God will work on our behalf. What's the name of your obstacle? What's the name? Of your obstacle. Come on, I want you to think about it. Really. What's the name? There's something that you need to overcome. There's something that you, if you ever want to get to what the place that God has for you, you have to be able to name your obstacle. I'm not talking about being in denial. You can be afraid and you can look in the mirror and say, I will not be afraid. My God is with me. See, when you name your obstacle, it be, you, be, you can overcome it more easily. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to, no, God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with fear. I'm afraid. God, I'm struggling with unbelief. I, I, I don't know if, 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 if you're going to show up. See, God knows the secrets of your heart. He's not afraid of your questions. Prior to the Civil War, a man named Edmund McElhaney had a salt and sugar business on Avery Island in Louisiana. A Union invasion in 1863 forced him to leave his home and business. When he returned in 1865, he found his sugar fields and salt works completely devastated. He had almost nothing left except some hot peppers in his garden and some vinegar. Edmund began to experiment with the peppers to see if he could make a sauce to add flavor to the bland food his wife cooked. If it's bad, put some sauce on it. You ever see those guys? That, yeah, anyway. 
And so what he did was he, he began to work on this. He said, I've got peppers, I've got vinegar, I've got bad food. And he began to work on a sauce. He began to work with what he had. He began to work what he had been given. And all of a sudden, he finally came up with this tasty invention called Tabasco. And now it's worth billions of dollars, this company. Why? Because he worked what he had in his hand. And I want you, I want to ask you the question. Are you working what God has given you? Are you complaining about what you don't have? Are you working what's in your hand? Are you complaining about everything that you don't have? So many people buy into the lie that the road to greatness has no obstacles. But the road to greatness has many obstacles. And the ones that become great have made the decision. They've named the obstacle. And they've made the decision to overcome it. You look through great men in history. And you'll understand that every one of them had to overcome massive obstacles. Walt Disney didn't just one day draw Mickey Mouse and say, Okay, well, now I'm a billionaire. No, he nearly filed bankruptcy. He had all of these difficulties. Martin Luther King Jr. didn't just show up and say, okay, well, it's done. No, he had to continue to fight, and he had to continue to talk, and he went through persecution, and there were hard things. Can I tell you, the road to your destiny will always have obstacles in your way. Don't you start playing, Brad. I'm preaching good. Now you go ahead. Go, go. Go. I have to have Brad. He t- he play. He's ten minutes. He gives me ten minutes, so I know that I got to start shutting it down. Number three. This is it. There will always be an enemy to face. There will always be an enemy. Finally, Jonathan made it. He'd come out of the safe place. He'd overcome his obstacles. And now, he had to face his enemy. And can I tell you that when you get to your destiny, you're going to see an enemy that's facing you. The Bible says this, the devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And he's going to roar, and he's going to do everything that he can to keep you from giving, getting all that God has for you. See, Jonathan had a decision to make. He finally overcame the obstacle, and he's facing his enemy, and he could have ran back. But he decided, you know what? I believe this, that if God got me here, he's given me there. If God got me to this place... If I've overcome all of this, if I've finally gotten here, I believe this, that God has given me my enemy. In the 95 and 96 Chicago Bulls were the greatest team to ever be assembled. I don't care what you say, you youngsters. They were the greatest team to ever be assembled. Scottie Pippen was interviewed about the team years later. And he said this, before we ever stepped onto the court, 
we had already won the game because every team knew we were unbeatable. Before we ever stepped onto the court, before we ever even got into the arena, we already knew that we had won the game. See, here's what's amazing is you know why every team knew they were beaten? It's because they knew that Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time, was on that team. And because he was on that team, there was no way to stop them. There was no way to beat them. The rest of the team, they were just accessories. They were there to help this guy. Can I tell you that I want to know, do you know who is on your team? Do you know who is fighting for you? Do you know who is on your side? Do you even realize that the God of the universe, the God that created all things, is on your side and he's fighting on your behalf? See, if you ever understand that, you become unbeatable. When you really understand that God is on your side and he says, if I'm for you, who can be against you? That you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You're not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. If you begin to realize who's on your side every time you wake up before you, you, oh no, Candace is awake. She understands who she is in Christ. She understands that God has called her to more. And when she wakes up, I know that I'm in trouble. Do you know? You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. Do you know that God is with you? I'm challenging you. As a church, we can't stay here. At the Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at thechurchrc. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com.